Hello, everyone. My name is John Russos, and this is the Here's My Thing podcast. This week's episode is about qualified immunity. Very similar to that new streaming service, Quibi, it seems like a term that a lot of people have heard of, but don't actually know what it is. And a reminder, this podcast episode will be uploaded to YouTube on Tuesday, along with pictures, videos, and zoom-ins. And I just got a fantastic haircut from my aunt, so you can see that in action, too. All right. Enjoy. No, it's, it's not like Rogan, but like it's, it, yes, it is a podcast, yeah. A get-out-of-jail-free card is something that I thought was only gifted as a favor from Vito Corleone on the day of his daughter's wedding, or played by your cousin Stuart during a family Monopoly game. But no, it also lives through a doctrine known as qualified immunity. Qualified immunity stems from the Civil Rights Act, also known as the Ku Klux Klan Act, which was passed by Congress in 1871 as a way to combat the KKK and other white supremacist organizations. The law included a statute that allowed citizens to sue public officials that violated their civil rights, which was excellent. Excellent like how a pool date with Eric McCormack from Will and Grace would be. But then, as if Eric McCormack were to call you before heading to the pool to let you know that a shirtless Steve Bannon just showed up at his house and was going to tag along, things got shitty. The Supreme Court has since made several decisions gutting this protection before ultimately inventing the Qualified Immunity Doctrine in 1967, which protects government officials from financial liability in cases where they acted in good faith in unclear legal situations. But it was in 1982 where the case Harlow v. Fitzgerald helped reformulate qualified immunity to the modern interpretation where it could only be withheld in cases which showed an explicit violation of clearly established statutory or constitutional rights. Not only does this make it extremely difficult to hold police accountable for their actions, but it means that victims of brutality or harassment by law enforcement really get no relief in court. Now that was very dense, so if the description is still slightly confusing, let me refer to a Julian Sanchez, who if his credentials at the Libertarian Cato Institute and The Economist don't validate him, then surely his Twitter profile picture of him in a wool blazer in front of a loaded bookshelf does. He clarifies that with qualified immunity, the first person to litigate or take to court a specific harm is out of luck, meaning that unless law enforcement have harmed someone in an almost identical way before, they're awarded immunity and the case is dropped. The specifications are extremely nitty-gritty. Just listen to Bloomberg Law's Kimberly Robinson detail a couple cases involving police dogs. The Supreme Court recently was considering taking up a case where an individual was bit by a police dog while they were sitting on the ground with their hands up. And the plaintiffs had offered up a previous case that found that an individual who was bit by a dog who was lying on the ground with his hands down um, had been uh, subject to a constitutional violation. But the lower court said that wasn't close enough. There was enough of a distinction between the person sitting down with their hands up and the person laying down that the officer was entitled to qualified immunity. Yeah. The difference of a victim sitting versus lying on the ground was enough to grant immunity, which is criminally particular. It's the type of particular that should only come from someone pretentiously clarifying the difference between club soda and seltzer. Okay, Anna, you know what? Go fuck yourself. They all have bubbles. Now that's just one example, but I hope it gives you an idea of how qualified immunity is a problem, and a problem that is becoming more prevalent. 
Reuters conducted a recent study on how often appellate courts granted qualified immunity to officers accused of using excessive force, which showed that not only is qualified immunity a common outcome, but it's getting much easier for police to have lawsuits thrown out because of it, even showing that there's an increased tendency for courts to grant immunity in these cases. They found that from 2005 to 2007, 44% of cases ruled in favor of the police. But then from 2017 to 2019, that number rose to 57%, which is concerning. And maybe there's someone with good hair and a love for skydiving that might offer up that they have a tattoo on their forearm that reads, rules are meant to be broken. Maybe that applies to movies like Ratatouille or something starring Vin Diesel, but not now. Qualified immunity allows for the consistent breach of the Fourth Amendment. It insulates law enforcement from the consequences of violating the very law that they're there to enforce. You might even say that an emperor penguin has an easier time holding a 35-pound dumbbell that's been coated in petroleum jelly than the legal system does holding police accountable for egregious actions. A few episodes ago, I said that the lawn chair is the only thing left on earth that isn't a political issue. But William Bode of the University of Chicago Law School seems to have taken a stance against my claim, is saying that qualified immunity doesn't have to be a partisan issue. And as it is, qualified immunity draws criticism from both sides of the aisle, notably from conservative Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas and liberal justices Sonia Sotomayor and Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Sotomayor and Ginsburg noting that qualified immunity tells officers that they can shoot first and think later which when giving instruction to Michael Jordan or your beer pong partner named Blair is actually solid advice, but not for law enforcement who are asked to deal with situations way beyond their training, is situations better suited to be handled by mental health and social work professionals. Look, it's obvious. Go on Twitter, watch the news. The proof is out there. There's a problem with police brutality, a problem with excessive force being used. To say that it would go away if we abolish qualified immunity is simply false. There is much, much more that needs to be addressed in the way of systemic racism and police unions as well. But tackling qualified immunity seems to be a great way to help legitimate change. Everyone. My name is John Russos, and this has been another installment of the Here's My Thing podcast. Thank you for rocking with me. Until next time.